Welcome back to the Coast to Coast podcast. I'm Justin Patrick. Now, today we got a little bit of a special edition of the podcast. Now, with me as always is Sean Filson and Zach Taylor. But today we have a little bit of a special guest because we're going to be releasing on Father's Day for this episode. So we have Mr. Mike Filson, Sean's dad, joining us today for this special episode. Mr. Mike, how are you doing today? I am fantastic. Glad to be here. Glad you guys asked me to be on your all's podcast it's a special privilege for me thanks guys i'm so excited <laughs> i'm so excited uh, we've already we've already talked if, if you guys have watched some episodes we've already talked about him we've answered some of his questions before he loves a good shout out so what's a better way to shout him out than just having <laughs> him on, on the podcast <laughs> Hey, yeah, I'm uh, putting you on. This is your Father's Day prep. I'm just kidding. It is part of it. But, yeah, I wanted to bring you on because, you know, Father's Day. But the NBA's coming back soon. So, you know, we get to talk more about basketball. But I know you have a special team that you wanted to talk about. So, uh, you want to you wanna get us started on that? All right, so being older, not not real old, but older, mm-hmm. I grew up in the uh, in the era of the Showtime Lakers. Oh yeah, not not the Lakers of now, where everybody jumps on the bandwagon and hopes to you know win a championship when when they come around. <clears throat> this was back in the day when we struggled and fought, blood blood literally rolled and. Um, the Lakers were were a team to be reckoned with. It was it was back in the day when Bird and Magic were fighting for everything. I mean, it was it was it was a time when basketball was it it kind of had you know it was Boston Boston was was the premier basketball team of the '60s '70s type thing. Then it went for so long. Um, from I think it was '68, uh, there wasn't a back-to-back championship won until the Lakers did it again in the '80s. So you know there wasn't a dominant team uh, in the NBA like there was like there is today. There, there, everybody fought. I mean, it was it was it was a crazy time in basketball. I uh, I grew up playing basketball. Um, I was fortunate enough. I didn't. I didn't get to play on a champ, the championship team that Greenlee Friends Academy. Shout out to the boys at Greenlee Friends Academy. We won the championship in '82, '83, uh, and '84. We had a dominant team. Um, we were. We we ruled our our district. Um, it was it was awesome. We had a great time playing ball. The guys I played with, I still keep in contact. Jeff Dillon. Uh, Cliff Caldwell. I talked to those guys. I talked to Jeff weekly, um, and that's you know 35 years ago that we graduated. We graduated in '84, almost well, yeah, 35, 36 years ago. We we graduated ago, and I, I mean I literally talked to him every week still. So we had a we we were teammates back in the day, and it was it was just so much. It it was it was such a good time. Our coach, Coach Ehrlich, shout out to to Coach Ehrlich too. He was. He was the man. He he led us in in basketball, in life. Anytime we had problems, we could go to him. And 
we literally followed basketball like these guys do today. I mean, we we followed everything, everything that happened. And I mean, I was such a Lakers fan. Showtime Lakers were what it was all about. If you don't know the story behind Showtime Lakers, it started out uh, the owner, Bus, he wanted the Lakers to be a show. He wanted it, since it wasn't, you know, they're, they're in Los Angeles. So Los Angeles is about, is about the hype. It's about it's 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 about it's about the show. So what he did was, in in, back in the day, he he used to go to this club, and it was Showtime was their their theme, and they would have glitz and glamour and everything, and he wanted that to come about with the Lakers. So he brought it in to the forum with and had the Coliseum, you know, and everything and brought in the Lakers girls. He brought in the pop, uh, the was it the popcorn guy who sold, danced in the aisles and sold popcorn. He had, he brought the celebrities in, you know, Jack Nicholson. It's on, on, the, on the court, shouting on the court. I mean, it, Pat Riley was hired after, um, what was his name, was he, he got in a bad motorcycle wreck. The, the coach in 79 got in a bad motorcycle wreck and, uh, he couldn't coach anymore and so the assistant coach took over I think his name was Whitehead took over and he tried to take the team in a different different way and when he did Jack McKinney Jack McKinney took over and he wasn't taking the Lakers in the way that Magic wanted mm-hmm. Magic got drafted got paid 25 years 25 million dollars today's money ain't I mean that's nothing. That's nothing. At the time, Kareem was getting paid $780,000 a year. Kareem, the all-time leader, was getting paid $780,000 a year. I mean, the dude was the dude was unstoppable. He was the skyhook, the shoot, the shooting talent that that guy had, and he was making $780,000 a year. Magic gets drafted, then he gets signed for 25 years. 25 years. You guys aren't even 25 years old. Mm-hmm. And he gets signed for 25 years, $25 million. So that's how much the owner, Jerry Buss, had going for Magic to put him into the mix. So Magic said, I want traded if you aren't going to do something about this coach. We well, already signed him for 25 years. <laughs> yeah. he's, like, he's like, okay, well, whatever, whatever you want, we'll do. So they hired... The man to do the job, Pat Riley. You look at Pat Riley, Italian suits, the slick back hair. I mean, he's the epitome of a of a of a like a Godfather, a Godfather movie star. Yeah. The Godfather, big in the seventies and everything. You know, he's coming in. He's like, okay, you guys are gonna do this for me. You gotta go and play the ball. But I mean, he he was Pat Riley, the coach. It, it reminds me of a. There was a song talking about the. The, the Lakers and it's a Christmas song but anyway they talk about Pat Riley the coach at the lead and whipping the boys into shape and everything and they just had they had such chemistry the the basketball that those guys played was run and gun the Lakers of the 80s was run and gun they they had the rebounders I mean you look at Kurt Rambis Kareem Michael Duper Super Cooper 
Super Cooper was the defensive player that everybody dreamed of having. Michael Cooper was eight, eight-time defensive player, um, made the defensive team in a row. He was a defensive player of the year in 87. I mean, this, this guy was, he, he ripped the ball off the backboards. I mean, there was, there was nothing that this guy couldn't do. And I call him Super Duper Michael Cooper. He, that's my nickname for mm-hmm. him. I, he, I love the guy. I, I, I would, I tried to rebound like him. I tried to rebound like Kurt Rambis. I played, played ball like James Worthy. You know, I, I epitomized those Lakers players. I tried my hardest to play. I was, I dove for the ball. I, you know, I, I played like them. You know, I was scrappy. I, I, you know. It was it was tough ball, and that's what the Lakers that was what the Lakers epitomized was tough ball, run and gun, magic, magic, dribbling down the court as fast as he can, no look passes. I mean that's why they called him Magic. He would just he would just be dribbling and just poop, throw a pass. You you watch you watch highlight highlight reels of him, and it's just it's unbelievable the passes that he would throw. He's just like. How did you throw that? There's, there's no way that, that that's humanly possible. And he's like, he's like just throwing it, and the guy's going up and just slam jam. You know, it was, it was unbelievable. That team, that team, was so well oiled. They made basketball in L.A. They made it. Celebrities couldn't even buy tickets. Celebrities couldn't buy tickets. The season ticket holders were just, you know, they were they were wanting to see this show, the Showtime Lakers. They were wanting to, because it was so entertaining. You would go to a show, and there was a basketball game going on. That was what they would say. It's like it's like it's like this is cool. You know, we're going to a we're going to a night show, and there's a game going on. And I don't, I don't think the league was like ready for a team to be like completely bought into a scheme that much. I think that's why like the league was so like popcorny. Like some teams would win one year, and the next year like you wouldn't you wouldn't even know about a team and they would win. Like no like team in that time frame had the like scheme and entire like culture built around how the Lakers did. Like like you said, like they got rid of everything to make that team for Magic and went on with that. It kind of changed the way that NBA teams go into building a franchise now and building it into this whole era type situation. Yeah. Instead of just being a, you know trying these guys here one year and seeing if it doesn't really go that well, we're gonna try these guys the next year. Now they, the Lakers, the Showtime Lakers especially, they built the franchise and you saw a lot of teams after them really trying to do that as well. Yeah, and instead of just like drafting players, they were like getting people who like built for their star and that, and that that goes a long way to like even now like like for example like with the bucks like obviously i'm gonna mention the bucks but like i guess so like with Giannis, you can't just build that team the same way you would build a team around curry like right. you're right. not like yeah we we probably could have drafted better we probably could have got different players like they were um, better available in free agency but like if they don't fit the scheme that you're built around around your star then it doesn't matter that you're making these moves well when it started when it started in 79 when when jerry bus was drafting he had he had Magic Johnson or he had Sidney Moncrief, Sidney Moncrief. I'm sorry, and he chose he was choosing between those. He already had Norm Nixon. Norm Nixon was a point guard. He already had Norm Nixon was a f- fantastic point guard. You you don't hear of him anymore because he chose Magic over over Sidney Moncrief. Sidney Moncrief would have fit with 
Norm Nixon perfectly. They would have they would have they would have been perfect together. But they were going for something. And here's here's a little tidbit. The reason he went with magic was he liked magic's smile. He liked his smile. He was going for the show. He was going for the show. He chose him because of his smile. It was a face he could publicize. It was a face. He it was a face he could make famous. Yeah. He could make match. And you look at you look at magic. You look at magic. He, he's always he gleams, he's always smiling. He's always he's smiles. Always he's gleaming smile. that he's gleaming those teeth. He was he was about the show. And that's you know, so then they then they were like, Okay, well what are we gonna build around? We're gonna build around magic. We're gonna build around it. So then Sidney Moncrief went where? Bucks. The Bucks. So, you know, so that worked out well for them. So then we go on, we go on, and we go on. And in 87, the Lakers won the championship, and uh, or was it 86? It was either 86 or 87. I, uh, the, and they, and uh, Pat Riley goes, I'm going to win it back-to-back. Set it at the championship. When they're, when they're celebrating, he goes, I'm going to win it again. It hadn't been won since the '60s. A back-to-back hadn't been won since the '60s. He, just like just like calling out the calling out the home run, he calls out and says, "I'm going to win." They won against the they won against uh, the Celtics that year, and he calls it out. He says, "I'm going to win it again next year." Calls it out. What do they do? They go back and they win back-to-back. They win back-to-back championships. And after that, Kareem retired. the The Showtime Lakers kind of fell apart. Couple years later, Magic retired because of the HIV, um, and um, it then, of course, '91 he retired, and and then after that, the the Bulls took over. But the Showtime Lakers were a. If there would have been pay per view back then, it would have been on pay per view. They would have sold pay per view shows to the Showtime Lakers. It was that big of a deal. They would have had them playing at five o'clock in L.A. For pay-per-view, so that they could sell, could, so they could sell it on the east Co- on the east coast. I mean, I'm serious. It, they would have they would have had those guys playing early, so that it would so that it would sell shows. And that would have been the first instance where, like, like how we see a lot of like, once LeBron goes to the Lakers, we see a lot of those Lakers games not being played at nine o'clock, and which is actually like eleven in like our Eastern and Central time zone, right? Because they want to publicize their star. Like they would have definitely done something like that for like the Showtime Lakers. Oh, they would have. They would have easily. And that's that's one of the reasons that you the people didn't see too many of the games of the Lakers mm-hmm. was because you know West Coast gets so. I mean, it's the same thing with with baseball, with football, with everything. The West Coast teams are so much later than East Coast teams. It's it's such a different time zone. Mm-hmm. You you don't get it. But the everybody wanted they wanted that that thrill to watch the Lakers and it was it was such a it was I mean I'm up in the attic I've got my Lakers hat still from 1984 the 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 Lakers hat it was now did you ever get to watch like an actual Showtime Lakers game in person No I never I I never went to the closest thing I ever I mean I was born I was. Born poor, I, I never, I never had money. The closest thing I ever got to seeing anything big was we went to the uh, NCAA uh, playoff games at Boise State, and I got to sit two rows up from Ralph Sampson. Okay, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that dude was huge. He was sitting in the row, and his legs were two rows down. I'm like. <laughs> 
okay, this guy is a monster, and that was that was cool, and that was that was the year that that uh, they won the championship. Hmm. So, is it Virginia? That was '84, I think, that they won the championship, and I, and so I saw Ralph Sampson live and in person then, and that was that was that was thick. That was, and I mean, I since then Sean and I went to to the. OKC games over in New Orleans, but back then, yeah, I, I didn't get to go to any. I would have, but back then, you know, the closest thing I, I grew up in Idaho. The closest, so I grew up in Idaho, and the closest thing we had to going to a pro game would have been uh, going to a Portland Trailblazers game or a Seattle game, and you know that was 500 miles away to go to Portland. And so, I mean, but they had Clyde the Glide Drexler, which Clyde the Glide now. Don't get me wrong, because he was on Five Slamma Jamma, and 1983-84 Greenleaf Grizzlies were called Five Slamma Jamma. When we went to state, on the side of our vans was plastered Five Slamma Jamma on the vans. And we were known as Five Slamma Jamma throughout our district because before warm-ups, or during warm-ups, you couldn't dunk. You couldn't dunk during warm-ups because you'd get a technical foul. We would position someone at the at the, where the refs were coming in at to let us know when the refs were coming in. So we would be out there dunking, warming up the crowd, because our starting five was 6'4", 6'4", 6'4", like 6'2", and 5'11". Right. And this is in Idaho <laughs> this where is no in, one's tall. This is in Idaho. <laughs> our high school only had 26 people in our graduating class. Wow. And we had 6'4", 6'4", 6'4", starting five. Imagine being like the five-two guy in the class, <laughs> and it was it it was awesome. I mean, we had the only the only team that beat us in district was Wilder. Yeah, Jeff, I know you're the superintendent of Wilder now, so you've got to support them. But <laughs> still, they uh, they stalled the entire game. Now, the bad part of it, this was during our homecoming. They beat us double overtime. 32 to 31. Yes, I still hold a grudge against Ferris Lynn, but he was a coach. But not, not thinking, no, I'm not. I'm <laughs> over. So, anyways, but yeah, we were known as Five Slam Jam because we would we'd just be dunking like crazy during warm ups and everything. It was awesome. So, Five Slam Jam and Clyde Drexler, but that would have been the only one I could have gone to a game of. But I mean, I I loved I loved basketball. I loved 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 it. I lived it. I went to Northwest basketball camps, which Sean went to a Northwest basketball camp down in uh, South Florida. Uh, shout out to Fred Kroll. He's one of the best mentors uh, ever. His Northwest basketball camps are head and shoulders above anything I've ever seen. He teaches He teaches basketball. You gotta wanna. Uh, that was one of his sayings. You gotta wanna love. You gotta wanna love, love to play basketball. You gotta wanna you gotta want to play defense. You gotta want to play offense. You gotta want to pass everything, and it was just it was just so much fun. Basketball to me was was just fun. We enjoyed it. We played hard, um, and we won. Coach Ehrlich was was a master. I mean, he he taught us. He taught us and taught us and um, worked us, worked us, worked us, and it was it was fun. It was good times. Um, Showtime Lakers, like I said, was was so much fun to watch. It was that that era was just uh, a different purple and gold than today's purple purple and gold. Um, they were they were a gritty 
gritty, gritty. I mean, you look at you look at pictures of Kirk Rambis, James Worthy. Those guys would come out with blood. I mean, they're 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 bloody. They're bloody at the end of games. I mean, it was it wasn't it wasn't a fouls. What's a foul? I mean, yeah, they they got beat up. It's back when they were getting leveled by Bill Beer yeah. and Rick <laughs> yeah. Mahorn. Oh yeah, the, the the dirty the dirty players. I mean, it was the bad boys. You were a highly touted player if you were willing to do some stuff like that. Oh, I busted a guy's nose in high school. I mean, I I came around with. I, actually, I busted his nose twice. He was from uh, Salmon River. I busted his nose twice. Those Salmon River boys. Those Salmon River boys. They were. Mm. We played them. We played them in the the championship. The 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 whole district championship and made it to state. That's how we got seated uh, first in state. And, uh, but, those, yeah, the Salmon River boys. We both we both made uh, all star team that year. Uh, but yeah, it was it was a good time. Uh, I think it's cool like how it translates um, from, like you going you growing up and like the teams you watch is like how you also play. You like you watched a team that was like gritty and like would fight for the ball and wanted to run and then like now the reason why we're seeing like all these like taller players and all these um, like centers playing point guard in high school and like all these all these like dribbling is because they're seeing like Curry, Giannis, LeBron, they're seeing these like taller players who are doing this. So that's how that's the only way they know how to play really. Like the only way you knew how to play was grit, fight for the ball and you loved it so that's why like now that's how players are growing up seeing yeah uh me personally i've always liked the way they play ball in the 80s because you know in today's basketball you have a lot of players that rely on the foul they yeah. they try and push for that foul but in the 80s you know you're just trying to get to the basket man or you're <laughs> trying to stop someone from getting yeah. to the basket and you know, that i like the toughness in sports because i felt like when basketball back then it, it was real it was real toughness toughness that you saw back in the 80s when it came to play Oh yeah, um, well, just a just another quick story. So summer basketball at Greenleaf Friends Academy was tough. It was it was it was gritty tough. We would go into the gym. <clears throat> Coach Early, Coach Emery, shout out to you guys. Would play basketball with us. It was it was unsanctioned, unsanctioned, and this is how hard. This is my coaches. This is our coaches playing against me. My coach, my coach. Hit me with an elbow, uh-huh. Coach Ehrlich. Hit me with an elbow. I was going to basketball camp the next week. I already paid my hundred and seventy dollars to go to camp the next week. My coach hit me with an elbow. He separated my ribs, bruised my ribs, almost he cracked he cracked two ribs, and I couldn't go to camp because my coach hit me so hard, put, sent me to the emergency room. That's my coach. This was this was that was how hard we played. Coach Ehrlich, shout out to you. You were a tough guy. You were fun to play with, fun to be around, and. To this day, I mean, I go. I I tried to go see him last time I was home. He's just a great, great man. Yeah, you always have those type of coaches in your life. I mean, I mean, for me, mine was always my dad because my dad. I mean, I feel like really in today's world with the way society is, you can't really have coaches be like that on you. But like my when I came to the tough coach, it was always my dad. That's always, for baseball. He was always my tough coach. I would always get on to me. You know, he'd always get really aggressive with me because he just wanted the best for me. You know, that's what dads are. You know, they just want the best for you. I think both Zach and I have the same one, and it's you. <laughs> I mean, you're probably, like, the reason Zach is so, like, intertwined with us is because of you. Yeah. And, like, I don't know. It's, 
when we played softball back in the church league, that's when we really got close. And, I mean, Zach and I went to high school together. That's when we met each other. But once we, like, were all on the same team playing softball, it was like we grew together, and then you were our coach for that. And it was like every year you saw all these players were like, I want to play for Coach Mike. I want to play for Coach Mike. And, you know, I don't want you to get all emotional, but, like, you know, everybody loves you being the coach. Even though, you know, sometimes you made me mad. And, you know, I was like, Dad, I'm the best player on this softball team. Play me. And, you know, but it's okay. It's okay. We won a lot. But, like I said, the whole reason that Zach is here still, like, connected with us, you know, he's like my little brother. I mean, we're only, Uh what, five months apart? Three, Three months apart. But, like... It's like I've known him my whole life because I went over to his house all the time and then he came over and half the time it was just to see... No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But, you know, it's... I mean, he goes on vacations with us every year. Every year. And it's like he is... And it it was. It's it's a team thing. And Mm -hmm. and team building... Team building was huge with us. If you guys remember, we would have team building parties. And it was... it's, It's a team thing that... That... Miss Casey, my wife... 30, 31 years this year was big into that. She would she would have us have team building parties for anything, any sport that I coached. I coached ba- basketball and uh, softball, and we would have coach team building things. And it was just so that the team would become closer together. Because when you're closer, I you know you know playing playing baseball in in high school. Yeah. The closer you are, the better you play. Yeah, those teams were always good. Uh, I know from from my experience with my, my my senior year team at least we weren't the closest because we were had a lot of guys spread out throughout the ages because they were going through a rebuilding process because we had a lot of good teams uh, in the previous years of going, winning districts and regionals and then like after all those guys left we just kind of spread it out trying to rebuild again but I know the years prior to that like you know when you had close teammates that like we grew up playing together you were good like you you guys knew how to play ball you guys knew what it's like to play with each other and what you could do and that was that's what made teams better right and it was it was building that connection like not just on the field like it was yeah. like you're saying like it's it's one thing to like just show up to practice every week and you see the same people and you're like okay cool yeah we do a lot of the same stuff but it's different to like know that like your coach wants you to come out and like hang out with them after or wants you to like meet up with the rest of your team and do something like that isn't required right. like you're not there to like work you're not there to practice something you're just right. there to build that connection with the other players well you know you know i'm marina marina and that family we're so close that i mean we would go out for ice cream afterwards just and i, I still go to niece's games i mm-hmm. mean i i don't coach them because i don't have anybody in the in the league but you know i we're close still with them. We're close with uh, the Berrigans, you know. They're they're still they're we're still close. Big B, you know, their family. Um, I mean, uh, Butterfly, you know. There's just different different people through through things. It's you know we're still close with everybody, and it's the Sentinellies. We would you know we'd go out and and do things with them, you know. Not so much lately because of things things, but you know it's team teamwork. Uh, and team team togetherness is a huge part of making teams and being teams and everything. And 
it's just such a such an integral part of sports because um, when you have someone that doesn't get along you know and they're just a, they're the troublemaker let's let's label them as a troublemaker you want to kind of get them out uh, not not high school sports and such but you know in the pros they're like oh man you know he's you know can we get him traded to to make the team mesh and you know when you guys were playing first and second base you throw the ball and you, you, Zach you'd just be expected to be there I mean I know Sean had a, had a good arm but I mean sometimes it was off the mark but Zach was there to get the ball you guys had just such chemistry of throwing back and forth to each other all the time when chemistry is there I mean when you would throw to somebody when you when you knew somebody yeah. Justin when you knew somebody you could throw to them and know that they'd catch the ball yeah that um I think the best way I can relate to that from a pitcher standpoint is knowing my infield. I know I had one guy, uh, Michael Rathman. He actually listened to the podcast. He was probably he's my second baseman. I know there's a lot of times where let's say a ball was hit into the grass or hit in between first and second in the hole. He he, I always believed that he could get there because I remember one time I was I had no uh, no hitter going on against Crestview, and there was a ball between the first and second hole, and Michael plays it in the in the right field grass, gets it, and throws the ball in first. Because I've always thought as Michael was my favorite second baseman to play behind me because he he was just always just a solid. Fielders. So, you know, I know those type of guys. I know the type of guys you're talking about to have on your team. See, and you know, you knew him. You knew, and you you guys probably close. I mean, you, yeah. you're, you're still talking to him because yep. he's listening to the podcast. So, you know that those kind of people just listen, you know, listen to you and you talk to each other and when you're, when you're warming up, they're there and you have the, you have the togetherness and it just it just meshes and it just makes everything so much better the teams that i coached at hillcrest were just we were so close the the camaraderie was so so there i mean kids would kids would hope to be on my team i'm not i'm not bragging but they would hope to be there and they're like, Coach Mike, did I get on your team? And I'm like, Yeah, I got you on my team. And they're like, Oh, okay. And I wouldn't, you know, draft day would come, and you'd, you'd draft players, and you'd have his whole draft room set up. Yeah, he had a little notebook, power rankings. <laughs> I mean, but you didn't get a pick until like the fifth round because you were like, Yeah, Sean and Zach and Dylan and Brian are all my 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 kids. So yeah, they're all my kids. They've all got to play. Did you have like a free system or so? Yeah, yeah, yeah. free system. Yeah, that's what it yeah, was. Like it's like we got to have those guys. They have to be on my team because they they've got to be there together because they're sisters. We, and we ride together. We ride together. Yeah, yeah. you know, family is to carpool. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> so, anyways, it was you know, and but those types of things you know in life are so important. Uh, camaraderie teamwork and everything is just so and and it and it that goes to work you know you guys worked at, at jimmy john's together and you guys work so well you know together at jimmy john's now you've horsed around and when you'd have to get on to you and stuff but overall you know you work together and you work well together and when you have a team like that you know what when a team works together at work it's so much easier on the boss you know they they can they can work and they can expect you there because because they're not they're not dreading going to work you know oh man i've got to go work with with 
Stu Richmond or whatever. Sorry, Stu, if you're listening. <laughs> but you know, you've got to go there, and and you know, it's like it's like you've got to you're dreading it. Whereas, hey, I get to go work with Zach today. I get to go work with Justin today. I get to go work with Sean today. Oh, it's a good day. You know, we're working the same shift, and it's just it's just an uptime. And you know, sports transmits to life. And I've always believed that. I always try to transmit sports to life in everything that I coach. I try, and it all, and it just, it's just a, it's just a transference from sports into real, real life. And yeah, I know sports is real, but I mean, from from sports to life. So, guys, um, I'll let y'all. We'll switch into more and uh i really appreciate being on here um talking about showtime lakers one of my favorite favorite things of all time uh talking about talking about everything that goes along with it my my uh my basketball times brings a tear to my eye because i i if i could go back if i go back to being 17 years old again playing with you boys at greenleaf friends academy coach playing for coach Ehrlich, i would do it in a second if i could have everything after it stay the same but i would go back and play basketball for coach Ehrlich again with jeff dillon mike roberts mike metcalf cliff caldwell everybody uh greg mylander everybody that i played with wes clark if i could play if i could play with you guys again i would do it in a heartbeat um it was my life um we had great fans great support greenly friends academy that supported us so much go grizz it was it was a great time Thanks, guys, for having me on. Appreciate it. And just like the Showtime Lakers, we're going to transition into the next segment. So in this segment, we're going to talk about possible first-round matchups that we'd love to see. And so, Justin, I want to hand you the keys. Who are you starting off with? So what I'm going to start off with is right now, what is the potential three-seed versus six-seed in the – Boston Celtics, and then the very poor road team in the Philadelphia 76ers, but with the best home record. We that love you can... a good Philadelphia. Yeah, you know, you, know, you, you... And the thing is, something that when you look... <laughs> okay, continue, you know, continue, you know continue, continue. I can't not bring it up. Go. Every week. All right. So, you know, Celtics coming in with a 43-21 and 21 record. The Sixers coming in with a 39-26 and 26 record. 20, I believe it's what, 23 or 24 of those losses coming on the road because they've only lost. They are awful. Uh, they've only lost two at home, I believe. Yeah, they're, they're I want to say their away record is like 10 and 25 or something stupid. It, like it's that. bad. Like, it, that's the thing. And so, clearly, if, if, if standings stay the same when playoffs hit, Boston's going to have the majority of the home games because they'll have home. home so, why is it interesting to you? Well, right now you have Philadelphia. You know they they have a three 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 one lead in the series of the season so far, and you know last year this is a rematch of the what Eastern Conference semifinals, I believe. Yeah, and you know that went to what game six or seven, I believe. Seven. Seven. So you know you had a great matchup there last year, but this year you have Kemba they coming didn't in. Didn't play last year. Was it the year before? Probably because okay. last year the seventy six ers played the Raptors. Raptors. Okay, so we had two matchup from two years ago. Mm. All right. Uh, so the season series right now, Philadelphia's leading 3-1. Um, and obviously, Philadelphia has to win on the road at least once. They're, they're tough. I mean, none of them are – I mean, technically nobody's going to be at 
home. Yeah, that's for this. yeah. Okay, so yeah, you have a you are. You're almost getting. Yeah, you have hurt. a great point there now because now we you're not thinking of that as the same as playoffs. Uh, if, if now, I haven't thought about this at all now. So if you're going into this season, this is the perfect time to be a lower seed team that's actually good but wasn't good enough to win a home seed. This is the perfect scenario for you because you're not having to go into somewhere like Toronto or somewhere like Milwaukee where you're going into like a home crowd that you're having to fight against for four games. Yeah, this, so this is where things get really interesting. But the thing is, you're going to, the 76ers are going to have a 100% Ben Simmons and 100% Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid, we, we hope. We hope. He should be. I mean, like, he's literally had an entire offseason essentially – Pretty much, or potentially. Potentially? That's the right word. Mm-hmm. Uh, essentially. Yeah, that's the right word. <laughs> and so, potentially, he's had, they've had a whole offseason for him to heal up. And he didn't have, like, a major injury either. It was more of a couple-week injury. So, Joel Embiid, if he's doing the right things in quarantine, you know, he should be back. Uh, and really, the Celtics defense, they don't, really have the, they don't have the defense to be able to stop. But fully percent healthy. Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. So that's what's going to make things really interesting in this series, especially knowing that they're not going to be playing at home or away. I don't know if that's going to be good for the 76ers or bad because, I mean, you, they're great at home, not good on the road, but both teams will essentially be, potentially be on the road. But I don't know why I keep saying essentially. I think the most interesting thing about this is which team is going to be the one that the other one plays off of. Because you look at it, yeah. the 76ers are huge. Mm-hmm. So are they going to be able to play Al Horford and Joel Embiid? Or are the Celtics going to be, like, are the 76ers going to play big and be able to play big? Where the Celtics have to counter and be like, okay, now we got to play Tice and Cantor or I Robert hope they don't. Williams. That's not how they want to play, though. And then, or are we going to see the Celtics with their... Hayward, I mean, you. their tallest guy is 6'8", I think Daniel Tice is. Are they going to play, like, Embiid or Horford off of the floor? Yeah. I I think the Celtics are smart enough to scheme not into how the 76ers want to play. Because we already know that having Embiid and Horford on the court at the same time is, like, they're counter counterintuitive. Like, they don't help each other at all. So I think Brad Stevens can play off of that enough to make. I think Robert Williams might have the series of the year in this in this situation. I think like he could be the person because I think he has the ability to guard either Embiid or uh, Horford. It's just based on whether like Brad Stevens can put it on him to do that. So I, was, I, I we didn't talk about this before, but Justin, who do you have as the X factor for both teams? Who would you who would you choose? Uh, Tatum for the Celtics would be mine because he he has to show out for the for the playoffs to be able to get to the next round. And then my simple fact is Embiid. He I know this sounds kind of like rude because you know Embiid you think of him as someone that has to show out, but two years ago he didn't really put out the way that he, he should have in the playoffs. So this year I think he has to turn the tables around and he has to play better than what he did two years ago. Uh, other than that, though, Tobias Harris of the 76ers, he's also one. He has to be able to shoot the ball like he's been doing all season. So you got Tatum and then Tobias Harris yep. as your two expected? Okay. I like how, I mean, you went with the best player on the Celtics, but you went with one of the I mean, because like Tatum's still young. Best. You know, he, he's, he's not used to having pressure put on him yet so far. I mean, they've been to the playoffs, you know, every year since. But really, I mean, he's had Kyrie been around this, these past years. So now it's, Tatum has the range. I mean, you have Kemba there as well. and But Kemba, he's not familiar with the playoffs at all. 
you know so this is a this is a whole new factor to him and you know so really tatum has the experience to where he's really the star that has to take the reins on this one for the celtics i i don't mind the tatum pick i think the sending series for me and obviously joel and b and tobias harris have to show up i think tobias harris is very overrated so he better show up yeah um but the thing for me isn't like one person for seven years it's like the entire like bench. yeah the chemistry has to be there man. it's the it, bench for me though yeah it's not chemistry it's just straight up the bench it's like yeah you have four four good players on the 76ers but are these oh stop four you know players? you love josh richardson yeah i like josh richardson i like shake milton i like those players but i don't know if those players are going to show up in that series and they have to the best especially if they get played into the celtics scheme yeah. they have to play I and mean, that's been a problem all year for the 76ers is being is not being consistent i mean so the bench has to be consistent in the in the playoffs and that's probably why i mean i think they have a good shot at winning it depending on how they really handle the whole not being at home thing they should have a good shot at winning because really they're probably a very underseated team right now that just wasn't healthy a lot during the season but uh they should be able to win this the series against the celtics because they are a better team when it comes down to actual size and being able to shoot the ball do you want to have your prediction you want to put a prediction down if they played uh I'll give me 76 ers and six okay okay all right zach hit me with yours okay i'm gonna take I'm going to stay in the East. I'm going to take the Heat versus the Pacers, which is a 4-5 matchup. Love it. It kind of – I'm not picking this based on, like, I love either team, honestly. I'm picking it just because I'm interested on, like, how it's going to play out. I'm interested on whether Jimmy Butler is going to just take over against a team that really doesn't have someone, in my opinion, who can, like, straight-up guard him one-to-one. Like, I don't think they have the, like, one score that sets it up, like – Victor Oladipo, question mark. I mean... We still haven't seen him healthy. That's what I'm saying. Like, I, yeah. he, I mean, could he be ready to come back? Maybe, but I feel like we would hear about that if he was. I mean, he's played a couple games, but, but he's not, like, Yeah, fully, that's what I'm saying. Like, he's not like, he, He's shape. a question mark to me. Like, I don't I don't know... So is that going to be... you? Would you take him as your X Factor? Well, let's, let's ask. Who you, who you got for your X Factors for both teams? My X Factor for the Heat is... Hmm... I'm not going to say Jimmy Butler because I feel like Jimmy Butler just has to be Jimmy Butler. I say the That's not man. an X factor. So it it has to be – I think it has to be either Kendrick Nunn or um, uh, Duncan Robinson. I think it has I'd to be say, one of them. I'd say Iggy. I don't really? know. Because they have a lot of good guards. I don't, I don't, I don't, really about Iggy I don't the think there's a Pacers player on there that I think I need Iggy to check, though. That's I mean, Malcolm Brogdon would be – I mean, when you look at it, the Heat have one good def- or one great perimeter defensive player, and that's Jimmy Butler. Then you have Duncan Robinson. He's not a defensive player. No. Kendrick Nunn, not a defensive player. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got Jay Crowder, who is a good defensive player, but he's not on the level that Iggy and Jimmy Butler are. But I think I, I would probably have Iggy as my X factor because, I mean, you traded Justice Winslow and all those other players for him. And you're mm-hmm. like, okay, you got to show out for us. Yeah. But who you got for the Pacers? For Pacers, I would just want to see Sabonis like ball. Yeah, that's that's it. I, I don't, I don't care. Like, I don't really care about any. Like, I love Malcolm Brogdon. Like, just being from the Bucks, like seeing him like go from like almost nothing. But like, I, I just want to see Sabonis just like come out, look at Miles Turner, and be like, this is my team. 
you can leave now. Like, okay. like I want him to literally just show up and look at Bam, and I want him to dog Bam. All right. Um, I want him to like go out and like just show out because that's the difference. Like if 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 he's able to stop Bam, I mean it's a series. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. All right. Do you look at the Pacers as an overrated seed, or do you think they're they're in the right position? Like you think that they're kind of a seed. Like you think they're an overrated five seed right now? I I think mean, I think the Seventy Sixers are better than them, so that could be a switch. Okay. But I mean, even if you switch them, I still would I still would take Seventy Sixers Heat as my matchup. For being a, a an interesting so series, so what you're saying is that you, you I'm trying to get your prediction right. I now. think the Heat are better than both of these teams. Okay, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, yeah, I agree with that. I I, 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 I think, think I think like skill wise, the 76ers have more talent than the Heat for sure. But I think they still beat them. Right, that's so, it. You, so you you have the Heat winning both. Yeah. It, you know, like obviously the matchup I'm talking about is against the Pacers, but. Let's say they flip flop because they have the exact same record. Yeah. So I mean, it, if something changes, it like depending because you're going to have a hundred percent Joel and B coming back, so there's yeah. a great chance that let's say that they just come firing out the gate, you have a great you have a great yeah. chance of them actually jumping the Pacers to get this spot. So if I had to give a prediction, Heat Pacers, I'm going to take Heat. I'm taking Heat in five. Ooh. I'm taking Heat in five. I, I think I, I think they get one game where Sabonis balls out, and then the rest is just question mark Oladipo and. Malcolm Martin is not enough to win you a series. I like it. I, I know that uh, earlier in the season, TJ Warren and Jimmy Butler had a big feud going on, so that'll be fun to see on the court, seeing TJ Warren and Jimmy Butler trade buckets. Because, you know, TJ Warren, he can, he can get a bucket. I don't know why. The, that Suns trade is just stupid to me. Yeah, literally, here, literally, take they, this player here's and Warren, a 32 TJ Warren, pick. a pick. Um, oh, and also, like, here's, like, a, a washer and a dryer for your house. Oh, and we don't want anything back. Like, Just give me cash considerations. Like what? Okay, thanks. Whatever. They don't even think they got cash considerations. It was just it was just take this so I can sign Ricky Rubio. Like, nothing. Night, good one, Suns. The Ricky Rubio. The one and only. All right, so my team – teams that I'm going with. I'm going out west. I'm going with Denver and Dallas. So I'm looking at this. Denver is the current three seed and Dallas is the seven seed. But with the two seed all the way down to the seven seed, they're only five and a half games apart. I mean, once you go from, if you go from the three seed to the seven seed, which Denver and Dallas are, they're four games apart. Anywhere in there, they can just switch around and become the matchup. And I'm picking this because it has two of the top three foreign players. I mean, obviously Giannis, but then you got Doncic and Jokic. And they're two of the most exciting players to watch in the league. And I think everybody knows about Dallas this year. And everybody knows about Denver this year. But what I'm looking for is I'm looking to see if Kristaps can ball out. Because it'll be his first time ever playing in the playoffs. You know, hopefully he's healthy. And you got to see Doncic and Kristaps. You have to see that duo go to work. I want to see if Kristaps can play defense on Jokic. I think he can. He's He's a very versatile I mean, seven foot three, big man. He's he's a lot quicker. He's not, he's definitely not as strong as Jokic, but he's a, he's a lot quicker. For sure. I don't know. Jokic lost forty pounds. They probably they okay. probably weigh the same amount. Now. Really, you think so? They they they're probably a lot similar in weight now. Because before he was, but uh, Jokic is a better shooter chunky. than Kristaps, though. No, he is not. From deep, I feel like. Are you Kristaps, kidding me? Kristaps is like like 
ridiculous from three. Really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Jokic I mean, is a bad either, though. Yeah, you know, Jokic is like I would love the Jokic's three point percentage on like any other player, but I'm just saying like, like I don't. Kristaps came think into the league as the, the next shooter, Dirk yeah. Nowitzki, he, he a stretch more of a shooter. But I I got Kristaps as my X factor for the Mavericks because I mean Doncic is gonna ball out. Kristaps is de- he's gonna ball out, but I don't have like a oh yeah Delon Wright is gonna be. He he has to be amazing for them to do good. I think you know Willie Colley Stein could step into that role where he has to guard Jokic on some possessions where you'll have to stop him. But for Denver, I'm gonna say that Jamal Murray okay, is good. the X factor. That's something. I mean, I was debating between him and Gary Harris because if I don't Gary, expect that much from Gary I, Harris no. right now. I mean, used to be I was like in love with Gary Harris and. Now it's like he's almost you're just, like just fell having a bad under, season, yeah. bro. Like I, I'm not expecting much. I like the Jamal Murray pick, but like for like a slightly different reason, just because like I want to see if their guard duo of Gary Harris and Jamal Murray is that like you can tell the difference between like the guard lineups that the Mavs are gonna run out because that's gonna be the difference. Like something for me is like all right, like. Is it better to have these two, like, what we would say, like, what, like, all-star caliber guards, pretty much? Yeah. Slight, like, a little bit below. We're, like, we're like all-NBA, I don't know. Like, they're, they're not all-stars, but, like, you know they're, they're good. They're good. A guard lineup, right? Yeah. Do we think that is more important than having the one, like, small forward playmaker? That's, that's like, the transition for me because the the Mavs have good guards like respectable guards that can shoot they can hold their own Seth Curry specifically like I think like if Seth Curry balls out people are gonna be like okay well why are you spending money on Jamal Murray Gary Harris when you can just get like a role player who can do the same thing you know what I mean for sure yeah I I just really want to see Doncic and Jokic go at each other I mean obviously shooting guard center but like Doncic is the most exciting young player to watch in the league. Of course. And then you have Jokic, who is like magic. I mean, he comes down the court. He's just like, yeah, I threw that pass. Or he grabs a rebound, throws it 70 feet down to a streaking Gary Harris. And, oh, easy layup. But, you know, my prediction coming in, I don't care what the seeds are. It doesn't matter if Dallas is the two seed and the Mavericks are the seven seed. I have the Mavericks winning in seven games because I think the Nuggets are overrated. I have, I mean, honestly, I'd call the Thunder, the Rockets, or the Mavericks over the Nuggets if they played. We've talked about that. We, yeah. and see, I, we've I, also talked about the Mavericks on here before as a team that can get upsets in the playoffs because they are, they, right now they are a low seed, but they are definitely one, probably the best low seed out there in the playoffs for both conferences. I think the it's more of, like, the Nuggets than the Mavericks. Like, yeah, I do think the Mavericks can, like, stun some people. But, like, the Nuggets, like, it just doesn't rub me the right way. It doesn't, like – like, th- there's a big tier difference between, like, Clippers-Lakers and then you have the Nuggets. Like, there's a huge difference w- even though their records are similar. Because like, they, they're still in that same pack from Nuggets, Jazz, Thunder, Rockets, Mavericks. That's, like, one – big sandwich of teams yeah and they're all like like i said i'd have the rockets thunder and mavericks beating the nuggets if they played and you know honestly if the thunder don't get the jazz i want to play the nuggets 
Just because, honestly, I don't want to play the Rockets because I don't want any storylines. Like, oh, the Thunder beat Russ. Russ still can't win. Because, like, you know, I still love him. <laughs> but, you know, obviously I want to win. And But back to the Nuggets, they're just not as good as their record indicates. And, you know, all those teams are similar. And, you know. And I, I, I don't... I don't want to say it'd be like a statement win if they won that series because they've won other playoff series, but I don't know. Like I get, I think it would mean a lot for the Nuggets to beat the Mavs. I don't know. I mean, they barely beat the old Spurs last yeah, year. Yeah, I don't. I don't really. I just don't. I don't get it. Like they, they, the way that they, I see them in the playoffs is I'm like, oh yeah, they're good, and then I'm kind of just like, you could probably talk me into about like any of the other seven teams beating them. Like yeah. that's the thing. Like I don't. I don't have the same, like, confidence in them as I do, like, okay, the Lakers are playing blank team. I'm probably going to take Lakers. I mean, really, when you think about it, they really have one really outstanding player who's just a star player, and that's Jokic. And really, I feel like they still need to get Jokic some more weapons. Like, he, the team isn't terrible. Like, you know, there's a reason why they're the seed. There's a reason why they have this record. But when it comes to a playoff-caliber team, I feel like you still need some more weapons to go with Jokic. Yeah. You need more defensive players because – Jamal Murray and Jokic, you don't see them as defensive players. Then your best your best defensive player in the starting lineup is a 35-year-old Paul Millsap. 36, 35, 36. One of those two. But then you have Will Barton and Gary Harris. You There's almost no defense in that lineup because, you know, Will Barton is – they say he's a 3 and D wing, but, you know, he's more it's of a, a I'm going to score. Yeah. And then uh, Jamal Murray, obviously – Offensive oriented, score first guard. Gary Harris he, is too small. Yeah, Gary Harris is six four shooting guard, but I mean your two best defensive players are your two power forwards, Jamal or not Jeremy Grant and uh, Paul Millsap. Right. So it's just a, just looking at it. You need more defensive weapons around your two offensive oriented. Like when you look at the Rockets. James Harden, you have to put defense around him. Yeah. I mean, that's what they've done. Ooh, but, imagine P.J. Tucker on this Nuggets team. That'd be nice. That would be Or sweet. Robert Covington. Yeah. Oh, One my of those God. Two. I like both of them on that. But, you know, Zach, if you want to go ahead and close us out. Yeah. Justin, didn't you want to say something? Yeah, I mean, I, so we're going to talk about our playoff, our first rounders here. Um any other, like, kind of, uh, like, because we didn't, of course, we have still a lot of matchups left, but any other matchups that we didn't talk about, like, now we're, we're not going to go into depth on that, but that we people should watch out for. Ones that we want to watch, but, like, didn't want to bring it up? Yeah. I mean, Bucks you, Magic. Stop it. I literally said, I told <laughs> Zach. said this. If you, if you I told Zach. Bucks Magic, you're off the box. <laughs> but I, I'd say if you want to watch a fun series, any team that the Thunder plays, that's a, that's all that matters. Okay, hold on. I think just I again, love, like we mentioned, the Heat. If they end up playing the Seventy Sixers, that could be a sweet matchup or another rematch from last season. Um, it'd be fun. I it'd be sweet to see Jimmy Butler go at the Seventy Sixers. Yeah. Okay, so right now, as we were giving it a finish up, Woj just retweeted that the NBA has informed teams of a second window for players to enter the twenty twenty. NBA draft until August 17th and pending NBA PA approval. So now they have like a month window. Like. Yeah, they, they, have a, they have a large window. I mean, 
I see why, you know, because of the really, I, I mean, COVID is really throwing a lot of things off here. But, I mean, why not mention that real quick when, you know, since it just happened during the show. All right, so that was – we talked about our favorite matchups to see in the first round for these playoffs that's going to take place at Disney World. And so now this is going to conclude the episode. Our Father's Day special, thanks to Mr. Mike, of course. Yeah, that was a great story he told us about his his old basketball days and the Showtime Lakers. All right, that's going to include our Father's Day special of the Coast to Coast podcast.